There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast um, hosted by the three of us. I'm David Reed. Danielle I'm, Ward's here. I'm Danielle Ward. And that's Marek Larwood. Well, well, well it's however they imagine me now. Yeah. I wonder how they do imagine us if you haven't seen pictures of us. I, we once got um, a message into the Dave Gorman show and someone said that they imagined me to look like Holly Walsh and Martin to look like Jack Whitehall. Wow, how accurate they were. That's amazing. I'd love to be inside their mind. <laughs> Ow! But when I close my eyes and listen to Marek's uh, dulcet tones, I imagine a sort of male Holly Willoughby. Yeah, because that's because I've got a knife to your throat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, imagine me nice. For those regulars, this podcast is slightly late. It is. Because of... Because of Love Film not sending us 24-hour party people on time. Which we promised we'd be... Uh, talking so about this week we shan't be to next week it will do it next week um we instead watched another film available on arrival film uh, service that's the way forward isn't it yeah so i saw that ben wheatley's next film which is called in the, in the field or something like that isn't it <laughs> a field in england something like that about yeah. a field is going to be released <laughs> on cinema on dvd and streaming on the same day simultaneously wow yeah that's who's going to go to the cinema to see that I'm going to go to the cinema and I'm going to stream it on from my phone in the cinema. Good idea. Yeah. I like that. Rather than stealing the film and putting it online, you're just uh, stealing it from online and uh, stealing their seats. And that's what happens is all the people that go around with the torches, what are they called? The uh, ushers. ushers. That makes their heads blow up because they can't deal with it. It's very true. You create a paradox. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, what film did you go and see, Marek? I went to the cinema, as usual. I went to a morning screening, because that way, at Odeon on Mondays, you get to get cheap 20... Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast, um, hosted by the three of us. I'm David Reed, Danielle Ward's here. I'm Danielle Ward. And that's Marek Larwood. Well, 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 however they imagine me now. Yeah. I wonder how they do imagine us if you haven't seen pictures of us. I we once got um, a message into the Dave Gorman show, and someone said that they imagined me to look like Holly Walsh and Martin to look like Jack Whitehall. Wow, how accurate they were! That's amazing. I'd love to be inside their mind. <laughs> Ow! But when I close my eyes and listen to Marek's uh, dulcet tones, I imagine a sort of male Holly Willoughby. 
Yeah, because that's because I've got a knife to your throat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, Imagine me nice. For those regulars, this podcast is slightly late. It is. Because of... Because of Love Film not sending us 24-hour party people on time. Which we promised we'd be... Uh, talking so about this week we shan't be to next week it will do it next week um we instead watched another film available on arrival film uh, service that's the way forward isn't it yeah i saw that ben wheatley's next film which is called in the, in the field or something like that isn't it <laughs> a field in england something like that about yeah. the field is going to be released <laughs> on cinema on dvd and streaming on the same day simultaneously wow yeah who's going to go to the cinema to see that I'm going to go to the cinema and I'm going to stream it on from my phone in the cinema. <laughs> Good idea. Yeah. I like that. Rather than stealing the film and putting it online, you're just uh, stealing it from online do. and uh, stealing their seats. And basically. that's what happens is all the per- people that go around with the torches, what they called, the uh, ushers. ushers, that makes their heads blow up because they can't deal it's with it. It's very true. You create a paradox. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what film did you go and see, Marek? I went to the cinema as usual. I went to a morning screening because that way, at Odeon on Mondays, you get to get cheap twenty five percent off. So it's only a thousand pounds, as opposed to one thousand two hundred fifty pounds. That's good. And you get to sit wherever you like. Oh, that is. I nice. went to see Baz Luhrmann's The Great Gatsby. Were you excited by this film? I was really looking forward to it because I thought the trailers were very enticing. You are a big fan of um, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Well, I wasn't originally. Or Lenny the Goat, as I, he is known. I wasn't originally, but in recent years, mm. um, I've grown to really become, become fond of the young fellow. The young fellow. Did you like him in um, Inception? I did like him in Inception, and I did he like... Inception? He's the main guy. I thought that was Matt Damon. No. You watched the whole of Inception. I know, but I forget. They're really interchangeable to me. Uh, Matt Damon is just Leonardo DiCaprio on with a fisheye lens. <laughs> That's, That's a right. good description. Yeah, yeah. Um, Drawn onto a potato. Yes, onto a potato, and I, I enjoyed him in Shutter Island as well. Yeah, he was playing the same character as in Inception. That's a, a that's man a haunted by the ghost of his wife. Mm. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. You, you hated Shutter Island. I really hated Shutter Island, though. I quite oh, bomb my biscuits. What's happened? Uh, Danielle's doing some baking, so we'll carry on. Baking uh, during the podcast. Who are using this? This podcast can be used to time food, actually. So if we get it like for 50 minutes each week, yeah. that would be like perfect lasagna time. Why not? We, In fact, if we run over, then we just go back and we say, start your lasagna now. That's really good, isn't it? Yeah, that'd be good. Um, but he's off, he's smelt biscuits. Everyone's leaving this room. Oh, There's going to be God. me talking to a microphone in this podcast. Do you like Baz Luhrmann's films? Because I, I absolutely love um, Strictly Ballroom. I think that's his best film. And I I really like Romeo and Juliet and got a soft spot for Moulin Rouge, I think. I liked it a lot. I haven't seen it in a long time. I liked it when I was younger. I, I like Strictly Ballroom. Romeo and Juliet was really ambitious yeah. and interesting. Um, I wasn't completely sold on it, but it was a it, it was a great sort of a attempt at doing something new with yes. that genre. Genre. Um, I I loved Milan Ridge as well, but Australia I thought was so. Awful. Oh, I missed it on Australia. I stopped watching. It looked it. too bad from the trailers. I started watching about twenty minutes of it, uh, the DVD, and I threw it against the wall. <laughs> I ran out into the street and I punched the nearest child in the face, and I shouted, "That." Dingo's gone and ruined it. 
I yeah. enjoyed Strictly Raw Room. Yeah. I loved Romeo and Juliet. I absolutely hated Moulin Rouge. Hated it. Why? I really, just I thought it was the most twee. It's just a long music video, and I hated Nicole Kidman in it. And I was so well, delighted when she's, she died. At she's the, end. the worst bit. Um, in most films I don't like her at all I didn't watch Australia it looked boring it was terrible it's I, a fictional land it's about a fictional land well they what they seem to be trying to create a sort of earthy sort of cold mountainy that's her as well isn't it um, sort of crocodile dundee kind of thing from what I could tell from the trailer but they picked two of the most unearthly actors to play you know yeah. sort of like they never look dirty they always look like uh, Hugh Jackman does oh he doesn't He's really he's musical theatre, no, in my he's opinion. He's a go-to sort of, um, uh, like a real steel. He's a go-to guy for that gritty sort of Wolverine. Yeah, man, I don't he? believe what? that. What? Wolverine, his Wolverine is the campest thing ever. Um, and that's in a film that stars Ian their, McKellen. Yeah. Someone's got their gaydar switched on. <laughs> um, let's talk about The Great Gatsby. Yeah, okay, how is it? Well, first of all, I think we should talk about um, the book first of all. Okay. Because I read, I read the book when I was about nineteen or twenty, and I thought it was quite boring. So maybe that could be because my IQ has just blossomed in later life. <laughs> yeah. It could be because I was a bit too naive, and it was a, I don't know, but I found it quite a dull book. It's all about the, but it's not a story, is it? It's all about the atmosphere give us a synopsis yeah. I can't a... even remember it all I remember was finding it but you have well. just watched the film haven't you yeah oh so the film itself is um, basically there's a bloke I can't remember his name Cassidy or something like that he's a uh, it's not I can't even remember the name of what's his name Toby Maguire Toby Maguire's character begins with C anyway he moves into a house in the sort of Hamptons type sort of place near New York uh, it's not in the Hamptons, but it's just sort of just a new that sort of air, that sort of beachside, rich people's area. Yeah. And next to a house which is inhabited by the Great Gatsby. Meanwhile, uh, his cousin, um, and he, he goes around to tea with his cousin and her husband. Um, her, his cousin and her husband don't really love each other anymore, and he's having an affair with this, this sort of quite. Um, Let's uh, say sort of working class lady, Carrie Ga- Mulligan. Yes, Carrie, uh, Carrie Mulligan is his cousin, Toby Maguire's cousin. Right. So Toby Maguire becomes friends with Gatsby, but emerges because this friendship is just because Gatsby was in love with Carrie Mulligan um, five years ago, in and since then has reinvented himself, become this mystical sort of rich figure who hosts all these amazing parties. And nobody knows who he is, um, but he's played by Leonardo DiCaprio's son. Mm. And then it all sort of uh, gradually falls apart. We find out where all of Greg Gatsby's origins and etc. etc. And there's a bit of a love sort of story tangly, but I don't want to do any spoilers. People haven't read the book. Is the irony he's not so great? Well, that would be saying, but possibly. Yeah, that would be my guess. Yeah. Um. So, uh, having not really remembered much about the book at all, going in with sort of a fresh set of eyes mm. it was a very interesting film I mean Baz Luhrmann's films they look beautiful they're all but they are high camp and they um, and it's the style of a substance thing you could say this film looks amazing mm-hmm. I've not seen anything like it I watched it in 2D not 3D which Good. I strongly recommend and 
I said to my girlfriend, I said, this is like Turkish Delight for the eyes. Oh, but I don't I, like Turkish Delight. Well, it's really sort of, it's sumptuous. It's, yeah. the, it's beautifully shot. It's like a, sort of one of those modelling magazines you find at really trendy TV I, places, flicking through one of those. It looks amazing. Every shot is brilliant. But even, I think it's something to do with maybe the, the well, it, I don't know about 4K cinema. It's the first time I've really noticed 4K, the, the, the actual uh, definition being so crisp. It's almost like they're drawn in the black outlines. You're drawn, drawn to the way it looks so vivid. Right. I've not seen anything like it. You talked about The Fall, which you watched earlier on yes. in the year. It's sort of not got the big beauty of those shots, but it's so stylized and everything is just almost perfect. It looks like all the shirts have been pressed. It looks like the, the art, the sets have been spent a week making all the sets. Every mm. shot's thought of. There's no expense spared. I mean, Greg Gatsby throws these rich parties and almost the making a film seems like a rich party because the budget it looks like it was astronomical on it. It looks, it looks so crisp and beautiful. If you just turned the sound down and invented your own dialogue, you would you know, enjoy watching it purely if you didn't understand the human language at all. As a visual spectacle, I'm trying to say. So dogs will love it? Dogs will love it. Flies will <laughs> love it. Um... People who've had their brains removed, but their eyes are still working, will still like it. Yeah. Those sort of people. Yeah. He's very clever about expanding the demographics, Basil Ehrman. What yeah. if your brain is working as well as your eyes? Well, would you like it then? Would you like it? There's then? several problems with this film. It doesn't really ever get going for me until Leonardo DiCaprio comes in and he really steals it. He's really a, the interesting character in it. I really liked him in Django Unchained. I thought he's, yes, he's doing exactly. good he's, work at the moment, he's isn't he? On, he's lost a little bit of his allure, which has helped him a bit, I think. Mm. The problem with Tobey Maguire is playing that narrator character and Tobey Maguire seems to play this narrator thing in every single... <laughs> he's like the go-to guy for this big-eyed point of view person well apart film. from in Life of Pi where he was edited out of apart it from in Life recast. of Pi but even Ride the Devil that sort of Simon Rape yeah. watch on the year Spider-Man it's, it's the same character you just think mm. do you know what I don't want to see things from your perspective Tobey Maguire I'm sick of seeing things from your perspective <laughs> I'd like sure. someone to look at you for a while yeah <laughs> I'm sure you're a nice bloke but you're that sort of all American cutesy sort of mm. even though he's not he's supposed to be being a recovering sort of alcoholic in this I still don't buy it. It's funny that. I've read that Toby Maguire has had a really awful life. Really? I read that somewhere. It do, yeah, but it's interesting. You're absolutely right. It doesn't come across, does it? It's, he just seems that sort of wipe clean... Yeah. Like a wipe clean pink mat. Yeah. Maybe that's not right. <laughs> Maybe you decide what Toby Maguire is. Yeah, yeah, and tell him. And Kerry Mulligan... She is good, but I'm getting a bit too used to that doughy-eyed drive look she does. Mm. When she's in love with people and she's upset, she does a specific mulligan look. She mulligans. If if she doesn't watch out, the mulligan's going to be a term (laughs) for just looking a bit sort of innocent and upset at the same time. Just do a mulligan in there. (laughs) That's it. Danielle did a great mulligan then. We need to break before lunch. Can you just mulligan? Yeah. (laughs) I think the dinos really... The dollar's really weak here. We'll just do a double mulligan there, <laughs> and that'll cover it. You mulligan, you mulligan back. <laughs> End of scene. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I would need to read the book again to see. I know it's been slammed on the basis of uh, it's not a fair reflection of the novel, but you've got to say 
Lerman's always really ambitious in what he does. Yeah. And they might not work, and they are a bit gratuitous. Well, there was that failed um, Alexander the Great project that seemed to be doing the news rounds for ages. That was going to be his next film, and that was Leonardo DiCaprio again playing Mm. Alexander the Great. And it was going to be one of those... Uh, situations we've talked about before where two films come out simultaneously with the same topic and the one with um, Colin Farrell came out and Baz Luhrmann's one never made it never made well, it to the screen that's why the big gap I'm looking through his arm yeah, things, yeah. Four year gap yeah. In his was just called Alexander I believe but yeah, uh, yeah it never happened so he made uh, didn't make Alexander but made The Great Gatsby mm. it'd be great if he made Alexander then the Great Gatsby afterwards, because it will be like Alexander the Great Gatsby. <laughs> I wonder whose filmography makes the most coherent sentence. That would be the perfect <laughs> one. Um, I I not a big fan of style over substance. I think it can like that. This was the problem with Prometheus. It looked absolutely stunning. Stunning and made no sense. It made no whatsoever. sense. It was entirely unsatisfying. I think I still think at the end of the day, people want a good character. Yeah, that was the problem with this. I think um, the guy in Warrior... I can't... Can you look up the guy's name? Yeah, he's yeah. an Australian actor called... Oh, Joel Edgerton, you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he's really... I really like his face. He looks a bit like a cat. Oh. He was good in it. It, it wasn't enough... There wasn't enough character. I think the cat pro bought the character. But I didn't mind just looking at it, you know? I didn't mind the fact that it didn't necessarily work in all senses of the word and I was quite pleased although someone slagged me off on Twitter for like slagging off mainstream films I find it boring alright at least this was an attempt uh, blockbuster that wasn't superheroes yeah. and it wasn't um, I think people need to raise their bar in terms of what they will and won't accept from mainstream movies yeah having huge spectacle like Iron Man 3 or um, or Star Trek Into Darkness is probably what we were being criticised for um, is not um, is not mutually exclusive with having good characters and a good story yeah. you can have both um, you know just because you haven't seen anything quite this big before doesn't mean you don't have to have a story mm. but I think this just didn't necessarily have that depth of characterization that you would really suck people in yeah and that was maybe, I don't know if that was casting or the fact it was so stylized. I'll give it a 7 though really yeah because it was just beautiful to watch okay mm. I'm a big fan of beauty did you like Hello, Hugo Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> did you like Hugo that's no, pretty no not uh this was more uh, beautiful than that, I thought. Really? Is it like That's watching like... Um, a tank of tropical fish? Like in like Romeo that. and Juliet, you mean? Doing yeah. ballet. It's a typical Lerman style of, of Moulin Rouge thing, but just a different... He's t- stuck that out and put that in there, you know, 1930s, whatever it was. 1920s, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. If you were looking into a tank of tropical fish, yeah. who would you want to suddenly realise I was looking at you from the other side of the fish tank um, what's his name <laughs> the Jaws bloke Roy Schneider I thought oh I was thinking Jaws from um, James Bond <laughs> that'd be good still that'd thinking along the Jaws line though. that would be good <laughs> so there we go before we move on I've got a bone to pick with Danielle what about a film that I watched during the week right which you slated yeah and more you didn't yeah, like it. I didn't like it, no. 
Did you love it? I thought it was great. Oh, it's so... Mary does like blur. does love beauty though. It's brilliant. That no, film. it isn't. How can you not say that? There are no films that are about. There's one thing that all happens to us. We all die in the end. I'm yeah. Sorry, listeners. And there's <laughs> spoilers. Hardly, yeah, that's a spoiler. <laughs> it, they're very. I've seen Iris, which is a film about um, Iris Murdoch, mm. which deals with someone going Cena and mm. losing their mind. There's not many films that deal with this topic of old age and dying and the relationship between two people. And it's a really difficult watch. The Notebook. The Notebook. What was uh Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. I think I've seen that. It's a bit twee for my liking. Yeah. Well, this was this was a great... I thought it was great acting and really great relationships. That's, that's a bit of a bit of relationship you never really see, never gets to be on film. Two old people... You know, and one of them's dying, and how they deal with it, I thought was great. I can't believe you you slated it. I I I didn't know anything about the characters. You've got to know loads about the you characters. You know nothing about the characters. There were lo- it was all unsaid. It was all in the looks and all the the depth no, to it. You knew they loved each other, but they had no context outside the world of just the two of them. So how am I supposed to relate to them? Because when they only relate to each other, I relate to them. Maybe something wrong with your um. Uh, cortex. Do you sometimes wish you were French? We. Oui. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do love French films. I bet if it had been in English, you would have liked it. I would have done. What if it had been in Japanese? What if it I was do like, like Japanese ones? <laughs> if it was like Danny Dyer and um, they couldn't have and done Sally it, Hawkins. They couldn't have done it. Anyway, that's in my bone. Let's get to the middle bit. <laughs> I think Marrick's bone should be a section in this. Marrick's bone. <laughs> Marrick's bone It sounds like bone But it's actually a moan What is Marrick's bone? What's been getting up Marrick's bone this week? Well, we're moving to the middle section We have got some uh, That's the challenge We have some letters Well, here's a letter, first of all um, From Alex Mobley Oh, hello It's a bit like um, Mobley from the um, Jungle Book Yeah I wonder if um, he's uh, friends of any snakes or a bear. Or enemies with a tiger. <laughs> anyway, Mobley, first name Alex. <laughs> it was, he writes, looking forward to hearing your best Tagalog stroke American Southern accent. What's Tagalog? If this email makes it into the pantheon of parodied listeners. Yes, it does, Mobley. Southern, uh, what's Tagalog? <laughs> it's like di- dialogue, but where? Why does it say Tagalog. Oh, Tagalog slash American. I don't know. Maybe it's... Maybe it's just a typo. <laughs> it's probably quite hard to type in the jungle. Maybe oh, Anyway, he's, in, he's not in the jungle. Maybe it means Tagalog, as in your tiger accent. Who knows? Here we go. Seven, uh, seven accent. Do you film Fandango? It's just Forrest Gump, isn't it? Yeah, that is. <laughs> what is seven? Can you do seven? No. Here we go. I'm gonna get. I'm just gonna limber up. Ah, oh, gee, Maddie, that Hi. sort of thing. Okay, your film Fandango. I wonder if any of you seen or heard of the anti-war film The Americanization of Emily, starring Julie Andrews and James Garner, <laughs> and featuring James Coburn typecast type typecast <laughs> an outrageous pussyhound in search of English English birds. Screenplay adapted by Patty Chayefsky. It's my entry into the 30-30 sweeps. Uh, my accent just fell apart there. <laughs> that was it. 
Buy what? Buy art and give Buddy a hug. Well, Aww. I haven't seen Americanisation of Emily, but if you want, I do Good like James title. Garner though. Mm. What a hero! He was a great actor. He's someone I'd like to look like if I was um, a film star, James Garner. He had a different face. Yeah. If if I walked out of here today and um, someone um, I got hit by a car and my face got burnt off, but the driver of the car was a multi-millionaire face transplant specialist. Do you know whose face the I The odds are slim. Barbara Streisand's. Why? Because I think she's amazing looking. What, Barbara Streisand now? What age? Well, bar- right, in her 20s. Four. Barbara Streisand, age four. You, yeah, but you, well, okay, you have you can be Barbara Streisand, but the only way they manage to keep all the chemicals that stuck to your face is if in your left hand you're constantly holding a shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated plastic that's, surgery. That's, what, that's how they do it. Ow! Anyway, uh, why you you got to explain why? <laughs> the thing is, you have to explain why you make sounds in the podcast, because otherwise people are going to think that you got hit or something. Oh, I did um, did a class where we did a, a core workout, and it was so strong and athletic that now if I sneeze or <laughs> laugh, I'm in an incredible amount of pain. Well, it's your fault for doing exercise. It's a class called Core Blimey. <laughs> Core blimey! It's a musical theatre class. That'd be great. Anyway, let's just let's. Yeah, let's. This is not relevant. Right. What have you got, Danielle? I've got the challenge. Okay. Well, I've just got um, uh, an e- an email from Luke Sadler who suggests we watch Mezrine, and we did. So we'll move on to that. Thanks, Luke Sadler. Thanks, Luke, Thanks, Luke Sadler. Um, so, Which thing, oh, I hope um, Luke Sadler's. Um, Happier next week. <laughs> that is a wonderful, wonderful joke. Luke, and you should not have given it away for free. I hope Luke Sadler's well next week. Yeah, uh, I've heard nice. yeah. yeah. Right, here's a challenge. It's from Mike Rock. Right. Um, he's from Cornwall. I always Hard very wild. much enjoy the podcast. I have, I have what I think is a very good challenge for the middle section. <laughs> <laughs> you are me lover now that you have reviewed Star Trek Into Darkness I think it has been cast for like very well the original series <laughs> what oh god I have a real difficulty listening to you normal. doing this uh, what are you saying <laughs> <laughs> to go back to an old style challenge I would like <laughs> can't understand your accent at all what are you saying to go back to an old style challenge I would like to know who you would cast if you had to make a movie reboot of The Next Generation perhaps Captain Picard a Commander Riker or a Data okay yeah yeah we'll do that and you would also like to hear what we think of the original Italian job I like it it's great Um, (laughs) yeah it's great good film Uh, everyone knows that yeah everyone thinks it's good Um, so challenge the challenge. The challenge. God, I've given this no thought. I'm going to be picking them out of the air, but so I'm relishing it. I'm going to judge then. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you like to choose first? I, Picard's first. I think we should probably build up to Picard, shouldn't we? Yeah, we probably should. Uh, Danielle, can you go first to give me some time to think of some people? Yeah. <laughs> who are you going to? Who are the options? Data. Data, Data. Riker, and uh, Picard. Who is Riker? The guy with the beard. The beard. He's really the first like officer. Who he's kind of uh, cheesy and uh, good with the ladies, and he's um, likes to play poker. And he plays the trombone. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? He does. Okay. 
So my Riker, you want someone who is big. Yeah. You can imagine being second in command. Now, my actor doesn't have a beard at the moment, but I'm sure he'd grow one for the part. Sure. Tom Hardy. Oh, damn Everyone you. Everyone goes for Tom Hardy. I'm like a real casting director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we just get Darren Boyd in? Okay. Um, I'm having Darren Boyd as data. I'm, do- I'm filming someone tomorrow. Oh. Wow. Um, okay, Commander Riker, suave, a bit cheesy, uh, winks a lot of people. I'm going to go for, and he's the younger one. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> the Fonz. The Fonz, yeah. You'll win with that. Yeah, no, I'm going to go for, I'm going to play the game properly. I, I think an appropriate film casting would be Ryan Reynolds. No, boring. No, I'm going to go for it. I think that, that is Tom Hardy... Can't really. I think Ryan Reynolds is right. He pulled off that cheesy charm. Plus, Tom Hardy has already had a crack at a Star Trek TNG movie by playing a a clone of Picard in Star Trek Nemesis. Oh, did you know I should have gone for? I know who I should have gone for. Riker. Eddie Murphy. No, can I change my? Can I change my choice? (laughs) No. No, because we don't have time to think about it. Yeah, but you know you've lost now. No, I don't have to win. Okay, just tell tell you my Channing Tatum. No. Yeah. If you're really good oh, as Riker, he would be good. He would, Everyone he? just picks Tom Hardy or Channing Tatum now. All right then, Data. Okay. Yeah. Data, he, Data was the android. The android, silver who, one. Yeah, he's the silver android who has no emotions and is sort of. It's very important to cast someone who displays no emotion on screen and is whatsoever. unthreatening. And That's is unthreatening. the thing. He's not a kind of creepy android. I am going to change the gender of Data, which mm. is allowed in the reboot. Someone who displays no emotion on screen whenever they're there, Juliette Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm. Really weird. Ju- Julie. Probably, Ju- Julie. Yeah, yeah. That's what her name would be. Okay. That'd be a good name, wouldn't it, for for uh, an android, Julie? Julie. Or a toilet in a synagogue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, almost like okay. a. It's a it is a bit like a um, cleaner. Is a kitchen product. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go for somebody who I think is uh, sort of uh, sweet and slight, um, but could play that utterly no emotions while still being likeable. David Hyde Pierce. Who is he? Oh, Niles from Frasier. Oh yes, that's perfect. Oh, that's a great choice. Thanks. Really good choice. Thanks. It's basically go for someone autistic, isn't it? Uh, someone who can play it, yeah. Mm. Oh, bet from Community. Okay. <laughs> last one. The Picard. last one is Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc Picard. Well. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Got to be someone... Correct. ...with lots of authority. Yes. Has a great voice. Has to be a bit thespy, I think. I think you need to go thespy. Really does have to be a bit thespy. Can I interrupt it? This is a bit like... Um, where you answer these questions, the way they ask people to answer questions on TV show, quiz shows, mm. where the quiz show is actually only three questions long. <laughs> so they tell the contestants yeah. to explain why they're giving the answer for about five minutes. Makes it more human, Mary. We need build up. It's why this really. is a winning format. Okay. So Jonathan Picard, explain really slowly, please. <laughs> hey, I've, I've had no time to think about this. Have you got anyone in your head? Um... Say no, of you. Say, yeah. say Johnny Picard really slowly again <laughs> to buy yourself some time. 
John Luke Picard. Mm. He's mm. the uh, he's the captain of the Enterprise, so it needs someone who can use a steering wheel. Um. Oh, go on, you go with yours. You need someone who can do the authority, play the crotchety old sea captain whilst also having warmth, but mostly great authority. I would like to see a shaven-headed Timothy Dalton. That's pretty good. Pretty good, isn't it? I would like to see who... and, And I'm... Basing this on their brilliant performance as a shaven-headed person, Sylvain <laughs> <laughs> Kingsley. Sylvain so Kingsley's good. He'd be good at it. He would. He's. I think the ingenuity behind just shaving Dalton's head. <laughs> give it to him. It's a clean awesome. sweep. Thank oh. you. Oh, and I don't really like Star Trek. Should have been really good at this. I, re- I feel like I've let myself down quite badly. Oh, you've been um, decurked. Well, why don't we do the rest of the crew next week, and you can try and redeem yourself? No, because yeah. I had enough of Star Trek. Oh. I hate Star Trek, and I hate people who, who like Star Trek. Well, I was going to have Jessica Chastain as Doctor Beverly Crusher. It's a very good choice. Yes, good choice. Don't care. Let's move on. Jason Gordon Levitt as Wesley. <laughs> Yeah. He's getting a bit older now. He's not the boy from Third Rock anymore. But it's only three weeks. Well, it's only two days until David's birthday. Yeah, it's it's birthday. Birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Thank you. David. Thank you. But less importantly, it's only about three weeks until... Film Fandango Live. Flim Flam Live. Taking place at... The Forge and Foundry in Camden, London, England. They did good cheese and even really better good wine. Cheese. We are showing the film... Robocop. And also in the first half we're showing our own films, which I've almost finished mine now. <gasps> I've nearly started And mine. I think two people in this room haven't even lifted a finger. The camera's not there anymore. Ah. Ah. Basically, when I've come around to do this podcast <laughs> the last three months, the camera... <laughs> David's going to film it on and be in the same place. <laughs> Gathering dust. Yeah. You started making your films yet? Yeah. I've Liar. storyboarded it. Yeah, I've, I've started storyboarding it. What? And when, when are you going to shoot it? Before June the 17th. Well, two people are in real trouble. <laughs> um, but I'm just doing the music to mine on my keyboard. Uh, just to let you know, nobody in mine has got a different haircut from scene to scene. Different, oh yeah, because my problem uh, when I was filming my thing, my main character, my friend David Manil, got his hair cut two days later. So I had to wait for a whole month. Before, <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that's what happens in movies. So if you cast someone and they get their hair cut, you're not going to have time for that hair to grow back. Do you realise that? That's why. <laughs> do you realise that? Uh, we have to cast people with no hair. No, you just do that continuity thing of whilst they're running away from someone, they inexplicably put on a coat and also a wig. Yeah, it's difficult. Anyway, you can see these amazing films and you can buy tickets by going to Google, typing in 14,000, <laughs> getting on the page and buying a ticket. We sold quite. A, we sold about, about two-thirds of the tickets left in only three weeks. So buy your tickets now because they will sell out. And um, uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't do any live comedy anymore so this is like one of the only opportunities where you can come and have your photo taken with <laughs> <laughs> now there's the temptation 
I only go outside the house once a month. This is going to be one of the occasions. <laughs> yeah, I might be there. Um, we're all so, super psyched. We'll see you on June the seventeenth. Very exciting. Now, if you'd like to get in touch about anything, if you'd like us to um, sort of brush over your your emails to us or read them out in a rude way, then why not email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or write a comment on our Facebook wall, facebook.com forward slash filmfandango or simply tweet us at filmfandango. Now, because 24-hour party people did not arrive, love film, we watched um, another film, as I said, recommended by Luke Sadler, which was Mezrine. Um, Merine. 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 Some French people pronounced it with the S. Um, Gerard Depardieu did not. Uh, but uh, Merine. What's he about? It's, um, well, it's the based on a true story of... Um, France's public enemy number one for a while of just a very violent man really a criminal a bank robber and um, a prison escapee and a semi-revolutionary figure and a cop killer it's in two movies and we um, Danielle and I have only seen the first one so we won't talk about where it goes but uh, the first film of the uh, two what do you call it not trilogy. What's a the doublet. a double double G. a dilogy? The first film of the dilogy is called Mezrine Killer Instincts. Um, you've seen these before, haven't you, Marek? And yeah. you've seen both of them. Twice. I watched them at the Skinema before, and I watched um, Marine, Marine Part uh, uh, last night. Uh, Le Nuit Dernier. We. <laughs> And I enjoyed it so much. I watched the second part this morning. Ah. Public Enemy Two, Part Two. Ah. It's essentially, it's the same film. It's what they start to do with the Hobbit now, but you can justify this being split into two. But there's actually enough for it. What also this film is un- is left unresolved at the end. I think because the what happens at the beginning doesn't come back into it. Well, they were made at the same time. It's like Kill Bill, yeah, yeah. Volume One and Two. It's, yeah. It is just one very long film split yeah. in two from what I understand yeah that's why I watched the second one because I thought well, it doesn't really you need to watch the second one yeah well, I, I felt it was a bit disjointed just seeing the first one they were released like two weeks apart weren't they yeah they yeah released mm. part one and then the, the other one um, yeah I, I'd i heard amazing things about um, this film yeah and had been it'd been on my list of things to watch for a long time uh, it's Vincent Cassell most, isn't it? do you know most of my list of much uh, I have to see films are subtitled they're all foreign films mm. um, and I was a little disappointed why? because it's there was th- the thing that I quite admired of the film I ended up disliking by the end which is you have these little set pieces where you, they tell a little bit of the story and then the next scene has jumped forward a couple of years or a few months and and it's never explained to the audience which is great because you know we're not idiots we can all follow what's going on um and i I really like that first i thought what a brave thing to do you normally in a film you'd have a voiceover or a caption card or something saying a bit in the future and it's not needed because everybody understands what's going on yeah he kind of has a conversation with some guys about maybe doing a bank job and then it jumps to him immediately in prison a year later or something it works out what's happened what i didn't like was you get no real sense of it's his story, so it's a character study of him, yeah? But you don't really get a sense of who he is, why he's doing it. And even the growth of his character from someone quite sweet to someone who is a real thug 
is not done anywhere near as well as like The Godfather or something, which really kind of gives you a sense of why Michael becomes this person. And with um, Mezrin, you don't get a sense of why he has become that because it cuts so much of the story out in order to pack the entire story in because I get the impression it's very honest to the book which I always think is a real problem with films because rather than telling a great film what they've done is they've taken a book and really tried to get as much in as they can mm. and so you lose any sense of why we care about these characters you don't, you don't really care about anybody in it I think it's I, that's because apparently when Vincent Cassell got the script uh, he said it was too sympathetic to uh, Mayreen and he said he wasn't not, he was like a clown and I really liked his depiction of him I yeah. think he, I think he's brilliant he depicts his psychopath yeah and to be able to There's utter certainty in his eyes isn't there at all times it's like he never questions himself to be able to flick that switch and he does this in performance between smart being charming and charismatic and being a psychopath with literally uh, uh, was it hairpin you know, I don't know what those yeah. phrases he can just literally, but he he can just turn in a second, and I thought his performance was masterful. And I think all the apparently when this came out, the French were expecting it to be an Oscar-winning film, and they really had high hopes for it being a bit better regarded than it was. There was another French film came out, a really similar one set in a prison. A prophet. A, a prophet. prophet which similar is time. Amazing as well. I think with and uh, it's better. I think I really it, like a prophet. I think if you're going to do the thing of this is one person's life, if you're going to do that that character journey from origins through to their end or wherever you take it you have to really invest in the character and I don't think this does but I also we have to maybe we should bear in mind is I hadn't heard of him until the film came out no but in France obviously he's this huge figure that everyone knows they've got all the backstory they know what happens to him they know the the plot so it's a bit different they're going at it from different angle I suppose it's like their version of the Harry Potter films yes exactly where everyone knows what happens they just want to see it yeah they go what does his third child look like this really grew on me the second time I watched it when it was first released I watched A Prophet in the cinema and then this I think as two films almost within a week or two weeks when they came out it was very yes. it was very sort of close to each other so uh, they did because a prophet's a more downbeat sort of uh, less flamboyant film this reminded me of Goodfellas like, it's like a French oh Goodfellas. very much so yeah yes and I didn't really like Goodfellas either for the same sense of detachment I think but that's what I liked about this film first of all I think that he's supposed to be the, the main character is this ego who's sort of pretty much courting the media and flamboyant, hasn't really thought about anything through. He hasn't got the depths of uh, of some people. That's why he's able to act like this. He's just this odd, needy, crazy, vain, sex-obsessed, sex crime-obsessed, thrill-obsessed figure. But he probably does like have depths, David. but those aren't... Because, because this isn't a character that's been written by a writer, because this is a media version of a character, I think what you end up with is all the media gloss in the film and none of the heart. And I think that's maybe where, like, it, this is so... These are all the things that he did. And this was... And, and it's sort of told from the point of view almost of an, an outsider. So it, it never feels like his story mm-hmm. because there's never enough that's close. You don't ever get any moment of him 
showing regret or even showing absolute psychotic behaviour. It's all sort of the one-person-removed view of him, I think. He does a couple of occasions, maybe, I think, in the second film. The thing with his wife in the first one yeah. is pretty extreme. But, I, yeah, I... I, I really enjoyed it, you know. I, I'm with, oh, I, I think, think it's, it's a bad film really, at all. I think it's really well made, and the performance is it's great. It looks beautiful. Gerard um, Depardieu is very occasionally very funny as well, while while seemingly doing very little. Um, he's brilliant. He's yeah. great. Um, but yes, I, I just had this kind of central issue at the back of my head, just going. I don't know why I'm supposed to care about this character. I don't know what I'm supposed to. I don't know why I'm watching him, you know. Um, he just seems like a violent. <laughs> I think that he was more. I think he's a complicated, thoughtless character, man. Character. I think he's become the the villain of today, or someone who's trying to attract the media. And he, that's a whole point, like writing books in prison to try and. Oh, that doesn't happen in this. Oh yeah, so he's he becomes over the course of the two films right he sort of grows into this character who's obsessed with himself and obsessed with his okay name. well maybe yeah maybe you just need to maybe watch the, the second half maybe the problem is you've only seen half a film yeah I think the first half's better than the second half really yeah okay I will I will finish it now I think I will watch the second oh absolutely and like I said I don't think it's a bad film at all but I think I was expecting it to be on the same sort of Wow, level as a profit or sell two one one, which is a, a Spanish film. film. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, that, that. I mean that's absolutely amazing, and I think I, I was expecting it to. I mean, obviously, I knew it wasn't set in a prison like both of those films are. Um, but that said, I did start enjoying this film far more when he was in prison, and suddenly you had a bit of a more of an, a tangible story to get behind of he's trying to get out of prison. Like that you was felt the, safe as well, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. That he was in prison yeah, and he yeah. wasn't going to come, come and get the, you. Come, yeah. out, come out the screen and get me. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. I don't feel safe around the French. Well, you, you're right to feel that. And hello to all <laughs> our French listeners. Hello. Marit I bet there are none. You. I bet there are none, no French listeners. Hey, French listeners, if you want us to do a French film fandango in France, um, invite us around your house, find us in cinema. Yeah, well, tell us what boulevard you live on. <laughs> or yeah. rue. Or what boulangerie you live near. Yeah, or if it's en face de la boucheuse. Yeah. Or um, près de le syndicat d'initiative. <laughs> Who dons la bibliothèque? Oh, la bibliothèque aussi, oui. <laughs> and we'll come and uh, do a film in your country. Yeah. <laughs> Sounded like they were bigoted. <laughs> in your country. No matter how bad it smells. Oh. No, I like the French. I do too. I love France. All right, French. Well done. <laughs> So how many Davids and Daniels do you give this? You know what, I don't think I should rate it until I've seen the second half of it, because it is one film. It is clearly one film. I cur- Currently, I don't know, I'd probably give it six. Mm. Yeah, I, um, me too, and also I think it's I think it's quite poor filmmaking to put out half of... Like, even with the Kill Bill films, you can watch either of those and you get a whole story... And this feels very much even with like Back to the Future one and two, which were filmed yeah, yeah. at the same time. This when the end just, comes of this first film, you feel they've entirely not earned their. This is what happened to this character. Yeah. Um, titles at the end of it, um, you feel like you've not got to the end of 
So should it, it's just one film, one very long film. I'll try and watch the second half before next week, and yeah. then. But for now, I give it a six. I am giving part one a high eight, oh. and part two a low eight. Okay. Tres bon. Huit. Tres il huit point. Tres bon. Retro projector. Oh we. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we'll be back next week with more films. Well, um, are we picking watch... one? We're, we're definitely we're watching 24 hour party, party people. Party perfect, peoples. perfect. All right. And also, we'll watch the other half of Misery and we can have a little. Uh, little we bit, can uh, little catch tiny... up on that. Um, yes, but as I said earlier, if you'd like to get in touch, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. But we will be back next week. Bye. Au revoir. Bonjour. Rolling, though, I quite oh, bomb my biscuits. What's happened? Uh, Danielle's doing some baking, so we'll carry on. Baking uh, during the podcast, you're using this. This podcast can be used to time food actually. If we get it like for 50 minutes each week, yeah, that would be like perfect lasagna time. Why not? We, in fact, if we run over, then we just go back and we say, Start your lasagna now. That's really good, isn't it? Yeah, that'd be good. Um. Buddy's off. He's smelt biscuits. Everyone's leaving this room. There's oh, only me sit, talking to a microphone. This podcast. Do you like Baz Luhrmann's films? Because I, I absolutely love um, Strictly Ballroom. I think that's his best film. And I, I really like Romeo and Juliet. And got a soft spot for Moulin Rouge. I think I liked it a lot. I haven't seen it in a long time. I liked it when I was younger. I, I like Strictly Ballroom. Romeo and Juliet was really ambitious. Yeah, and interesting. Um, I wasn't completely sold on it, but it was a it, it was a great sort of a attempt at something doing something new with yes. that genre. Genre. Um, I I loved Milan Ridge as well, but Australia I thought was so. Awful. Oh, I missed it on Australia. I stopped it watching. Looked it. too bad from the trailers. I started watching about twenty minutes of it, uh, the DVD, and I threw it against the wall. <laughs> I ran out onto the street and I punched the nearest child in the face, and I shouted that. Dingo's gone and ruined it. <laughs> I enjoyed Strictly Ballroom. Yeah. I loved Romeo and Juliet. I absolutely hated Moulin Rouge. Hated it. Oh, really, just I thought it was the most twee. It's just a long music video, and I hated Nicole Kidman in it. And I was so well, delighted when she's, she died at the end. She's the worst bit. Um, in most films, I don't like her at all. I didn't watch Australia. It looked boring. It was terrible. It's a fictional land. It's about a fictional land. Well, they what they seem to be trying to create a sort of earthy, sort of cold, mountainy. That's here as well, isn't it? Um, sort of crocodile Dundee kind of thing, from what I could tell from the trailer. But they picked two of the most unearthly actors to play. You know, yeah. sort of like they never look dirty. They always look like well, uh, Hugh Jackman does. Oh, he doesn't. He's really he's a musical theatre. No, in but my he's opinion, he's a go-to sort of. Um, uh, like a real steer well, he's a go-to guy for that gritty sort of Wolverine yeah I don't he? believe what? that what Wolverine his Wolverine is the campest thing ever um, and that's in a film that stars Ian their, McKellen yeah. someone's got their gaydar switched on <laughs> um, let's talk about The Great Gatsby yeah, ok how is it well first of all I think we should talk about um, the book first of all ok because I read, I read the book when I was about 19 or 20 and I thought it was quite boring. So maybe that could be because my IQ has 
just blossomed in later life. <laughs> yeah, it could be because I was a bit too naive, and it was—I don't know—but I found it quite a dull book. It's, it's all about the, but it's not a story, is it? It's all about the atmosphere. Give us a synopsis. Yeah. Give I us can't a... even remember it. All I remember was finding. But you have dull. just watched the film, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, so the film itself is um, basically there's a bloke. I can't remember his name, Cassidy or something like that. He's a. Uh, it's not. I can't even remember the name. Of what's his name? Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire's character begins with C. Anyway, he moves into a house in the sort of Hamptons type sort of place near New York. Uh, it's not in the Hamptons, but it's just sort of just a new that sort of air, that sort of beachside rich people's area. Yeah. And next to a house which is inhabited by the Great Gatsby. Meanwhile, uh, his cousin, um, and he, he goes around to tea with his cousin and her husband. Um, her, his cousin and her husband don't really love each other anymore and he's having an affair with this, this sort of quite um, let's uh, say sort of working class lady Carrie Ga- Mulligan yes Carrie, uh, Carrie Mulligan is his cousin Toby Maguire's cousin right so Toby Maguire becomes friends with Gatsby but emerges because this friendship is just because Gatsby was in love with Carrie Mulligan um five years ago in and since then has reinvented himself and become this mystical sort of rich figure who hosts all these amazing parties and no one really knows who he is um, but he's played by Leonardo DiCaprio's son mm. and then it all sort of uh, gradually falls apart we find out where all of Greg Gatsby's origins and etc etc and there's a bit of a love sort of story tangly but I don't want to do any spoilers people haven't read the book is the irony he's not so great well that would be saying but possibly <laughs> yeah that would be my guess yeah um, so uh, having not really remembered much about the book at all and going in with sort of a fresh set of eyes mm. it was a very interesting film I mean Baz Luhrmann's films they look beautiful they're all but they're, they are high camp and they um, and it's the style of a substance thing you could say this film looks amazing mm-hmm. I've not seen anything like it I watched it in 2D not 3D which Good. I strongly recommend and I said to my girlfriend I said it's just like Turkish Delight for the eyes oh but I don't I, like Turkish Delight well it's really sort of it's sumptuous it's, yeah. the, it's beautifully shot it's like a, sort of one of those modelling magazines you find at really trendy TV I, places flicking through one of those it looks amazing every shot is brilliant but even I think it's something to do with maybe the, the well, it, I don't know about 4K cinema it's the first time I've really noticed 4K the, the, the actual uh, definition being so crisp it's almost like they're drawn about black outlines you're drawn, drawn to the way it looks so vivid right I've not seen anything like it Talk about the fall, which you watched earlier on yes. in the year. It's sort of not got the big beauty of those shots, but it's so stylized and everything is just almost perfect. It looks like all the shirts have been pressed. It looks like the, the art, the sets have been spent a week making all the sets. Every mm. shot's thought of. There's no expense spared. I mean, Greg Gatsby throws these rich parties, and almost the making a film seems like a rich party because the budget it looks like it was astronomical on it. It looks, mate, it looks so crisp and beautiful. If you just turned the sound down and invented your own dialogue, you would, you know, enjoy watching it purely if, if you didn't understand the human language at all. As a visual spectacle, I'm trying to say. So dogs will love it. Is that dogs what you're will love it. Flies will <laughs> love it. Um, 
people who've had their brains removed but their eyes are still working will still like it. Yeah. Those sort of people. Yeah. He's yeah. very clever about expanding the demographics, Baz Luhrmann. What yeah. if your brain is working as well as your eyes? Well... Would you like it then? Would you like it There's then? several problems with this film. It doesn't really ever get going for me until... Leonardo DiCaprio comes in and he really steals it. He's really a, the interesting character in it. I really liked him in Django Unchained. I thought he's, yes, he's doing exactly. good work at the moment, he's isn't he? On, he's lost a little bit of his allure, which has helped him a bit, I think. Mm. problem with Tobey Maguire is playing that narrator character. And Tobey Maguire seems to play this narrator thing in every single... He's like the go-to guy for this big-eyed... Sort of, point of view person well apart from in Life of Pi where he was edited out of apart it from and Life of Pi, but he might ride the devil that sort of Simon Rape yeah. watch on the year Spider-Man it's, it's the same character you just think mm. do you know what I don't want to see things from your perspective Tobey Maguire I'm sick of seeing things from your perspective <laughs> I'd I'm like sure someone to look at you for a while yeah <laughs> I'm sure you're a nice bloke but you're that sort of all American cutesy sort of mm. even though he's not he's supposed to be in a recovering sort of alcoholic in this I still don't buy it. It's funny that. I've read that Toby Maguire has had a really awful life. Really? I read that somewhere. It do, yeah, but it's interesting. You're absolutely right. It doesn't come across, does it? It's, he, he just seems that sort of wipe clean... Yeah. Like a wipe clean m- pink mat. Yeah. Maybe that's not right. <laughs> Maybe you decide what Toby Maguire is. Yeah, yeah, and tell him. And Kerry Mulligan... She is good, but I'm getting a bit too used to that doughy-eyed drive look she does. Mm. When she's in love with people and she's upset, she does a specific mulligan look. She mulligans. If if she doesn't watch out, the mulligan's going to be a term (laughs) for just looking a bit sort of innocent and upset at the same time. Just do a mulligan in there. (laughs) That's it. Danielle did a great mulligan then. We need to break before lunch. Can you just mulligan? Yeah. (laughs) I think the dinos really... The dollar's really weak here. We'll just do a double mulligan now, <laughs> and that'll cover it. You mulligan, you mulligan back. End of scene. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think I would need to read the book again to see. I know it's been slammed on the basis of uh, it's not a fair reflection of the novel, but you've got to say Lerman's always really ambitious in what he does. Yeah. And they might not work, and they are a bit gratuitous. Well, there was that failed um, Alexander the Great project that seemed to be doing the news rounds for ages. That was going to be his next film, and that was Leonardo DiCaprio again, playing mm. Alexander the Great. And it was going to be one of those uh, situations we talked about before, where two films come out simultaneously with the same topic. And the one with um, Colin Farrell came out, and Baz Luhrmann's one never made it. Never made oh, it to the screen. That's why the big gap. I'm looking through his arm. Did yeah, things, yeah. Four year gap yeah. His was just called Alexander, I believe. But yeah, uh, yeah it never happened. So he made didn't make Alexander. But made the Great Gatsby. Mm. It'd be great if he made Alexander, then the Great Gatsby afterwards, because it would be like Alexander the Great <laughs> Gatsby. I wonder whose filmography makes the most coherent sentence. That would be the perfect <laughs> one, wouldn't it? Um, I I. I'm not a big fan of style over substance. I think it can... Like, that. this was the problem with Prometheus. It looked absolutely stunning. Stunning and made no sense. It made no sense. It was entirely unsatisfying. I think... I still think at the end of the day people want a good character. Yeah, that was the problem with this. I think um, the guy in Warrior... I can't... Can you look up the guy's name? Yeah, he's, he's an Australian actor called... Oh, Joel Edgerton, do you mean? Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he's really... 
I really like his face. He looks a bit like a cat. Oh. He was good in it. It wasn't enough. There wasn't enough character. I think the cat probably bought the character. But I didn't mind just looking at it, you know. I didn't mind the fact that it didn't necessarily work in all sense of the word. And I was quite pleased, although someone slagged me off on Twitter for like slagging off mainstream films. I find them boring, all right. At least this was an attempt at a blockbuster that wasn't superheroes. Yeah. And it wasn't... Um, I think people need to raise their bar in terms of what they will and won't accept from mainstream movies. Yeah. Having huge spectacle like Iron Man 3 or um, or Star Trek Into Darkness is probably what we were being criticised for, um, is not um, is not mutually exclusive with having good characters and a good story. Yeah. You can have both. Um, you know, just because you haven't seen anything quite this big before doesn't mean you don't have to have a story. Mm. But I think this just didn't necessarily have that depth of characterisation that you really suck people in. Yeah. And that wasn't maybe, I don't know if that was casting or the fact it was so stylized. I'll give it a seven, though. Really? Yeah. Because it was just beautiful to watch. Okay. Mm. And I'm a big fan of beauty. Did you like Hello, Hugo? Hello, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Did you like Hugo? That's no, pretty. not. Uh, this it, was more uh, beautiful than that, I thought. Really? Is it like That's watching like, um, a tank of tropical fish? A like in like Romeo that. and Juliet, you mean? Doing yeah. ballet. It's a typical Lerman style of, of Moulin Rouge thing, but just a different. He's sucked that out and put that in there, you know, 1930s, whatever it was. 1920s, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. If you were looking into a tank of tropical fish, yeah. who would you want to suddenly realise was looking at you from the other side of the fish tank um, what's his name <laughs> the Jaws bloke Roy Schneider I thought oh I was thinking Jaws from um, James Bond <laughs> that'd be good still that'd thinking along the Jaws line though. that would be good <laughs> so there we go before we move on I've got a bone to pick with Danielle what Ooh. about a film that I watched during the week right which you slated yeah a more you didn't yeah, like it. Yeah, I didn't like it, no. Did you love it? It was great. Oh, it's so... Mary does like blur. does love beauty, though. It is brilliant, that No, film. it isn't. How can you not say that? There are no films that are about... There's one thing that all happens to us. We all die in the end. I'm yeah. sorry, listeners. And there's <laughs> Spoilers. Hardly, yeah, that's a spoiler. <laughs> it, they're very, I've seen Iris, which is a film about um, Iris Murdoch, mm. which deals with someone going senile and was losing their mind. There's not many films that deal with this topic of old age and dying and the relationship between two people. And it's a really difficult watch. The Notebook. The Notebook. What was there? Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. I think I've seen that. It's a bit twee for my liking. Yeah. Well, this was this was a great... I thought it was great acting and really great relationships. That's, that's a bit of a bit of a relationship you never really see, never gets to be on film. Two old people, you know, and one of them's dying and how they deal with it. I thought it was great. I can't believe you you slated it. I I I didn't know anything about the characters. You've got to know loads about the you characters. You know nothing about the characters. There were lo- it was all unsaid. It was all in the looks and all the. The no, you knew they loved each other, but they had no context outside the world of just the two of them. So how am I supposed to relate to them? Because when they only relate to each other, I relate to them. Maybe something wrong with your um, 
uh, <laughs> cortex. Do you sometimes wish you were French? We. Oui. <laughs> yeah, you do love French films. I bet if it had been in English, you would have liked it. I would have done. What if it had been in Japanese? What if it I was do like, like Japanese ones? <laughs> if it was like Danny Dyer and um, they couldn't have and done Sally it, Hawkins. They couldn't have done it. Anyway, that's in my bone. Let's get to the middle bit. <laughs> I think Marrick's Bone should be a section in this. Marrick's Bone, <laughs> Marrick's Bone. It sounds like bone, but it's actually a moan. What is Marrick's Bone? What's been getting up Marrick's Bone this week? Well, we're moving to the middle section. We have got some... Uh, that's the challenge. We have some letters. Well, here's a letter, first of all, um, from Alex Mobley. Oh, hello. It's a bit like um, Mowgli from the um, Jungle Book. Yeah. I wonder if um, he's uh, friends of any snakes. Or a bear. Or enemies with a tiger. <laughs> anyway, Mobley, first name Alex. <laughs> he writes, looking forward to hearing your best Tagalog stroke American Southern accent. What's Tagalog? If this email makes it into the pantheon of parodied listeners. Yes, it does, Mobley. Southern... Uh, What's Tagalog? <laughs> it's like dia- dialogue, but where? Why does it say Tagalog? Oh, let's... Tagalog slash American. I don't know. Maybe it's... Maybe it's just a typo. <laughs> it's probably quite hard to type in the jungle. Maybe oh, what, what, anyway, what? He's, in, he's not in the jungle. Maybe it means Tagalog, as in your tiger accent. Who knows? Here we go. Seven, uh, seven accent. You film Fandango. It's just Forrest Gump, isn't it? Yeah, that is. <laughs> What's seven? Can you do seven? No. Here it is. Here, I'm gonna get. I'm just gonna limber up. Why, well, gee, Maddie, G- that Hi. sort of thing. Okay, you're film Fandango. I wonder if any of you seen or heard of the anti-war film, The Americanization of Emily, starring Julie Andrews and James Garner, <laughs> and featuring James Coburn typecast typecast <laughs> an outrageous pussyhound in search of English English birds. Screenplay adapted by Paddy Chayefsky. It's my entry into the 3030 sweeps. Uh, my accent just fell apart there. <laughs> that was it. Bye, you all. Bye, all. And give Buddy a hug. Well, Aww. I haven't seen Americanization of Emily, but if you want to. I do Good like James title. Garner, though. Mm. What a hero. He was a great actor. He's someone I'd like to look like if I was um, a film star, James Garner. He had a different face. Yeah. If if I walked out of here today, and um, someone um, I got hit by a car, and my face got burnt off. But the driver of the car was a multi-millionaire face transplant specialist. Do you know whose face? The I odds are slim. Barbara Streisand's. Why? Because I think she's amazing looking. What Barbara Streisand now? What age? Well, bar- right, in her twenties. Barbara Streisand, age four. You, yeah, but you, okay. You have you can be Barbara Streisand, but the only way they manage to keep all the chemicals that stuck to your face is if in your left hand you're constantly holding a shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's complicated plastic that's, surgery. That's, isn't what, it? <laughs> that's how they do it. Ow. Anyway, uh, why you you gotta explain why? You, <laughs> the thing is, you have to explain why you make sounds in the podcast because otherwise people are gonna think that you got hit or something. Oh, I did. Um, did a class where we did a, a core workout and it was so strong and athletic that now if I sneeze or <laughs> laugh I'm in an incredible amount of pain well it's your fault for doing exercise it's a class called core blind 
Hardcore blimey. It's musical theatre class. That'd be great. Anyway, let's just... Let's... Yeah, let's, this is not relevant. Right. What have you got, Daniel? I've got the challenge. Okay. Well, I've just got um, uh, an, e- an email from Luke Sadler, who suggests we watch Mezrine. And we did. So we'll move on to that. Thanks, Luke Sadler. Thanks, Luke, Thanks, Luke Sadler. Um, so, Wish thing, oh, I hope um, Luke Sadler's um, happier next week. <laughs> <laughs> that is a wonderful, wonderful joke. And Luke, you should not have given it away for free. I hope Luke Sadler's well next week. Yeah, uh, I've heard it. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh. Here's a challenge. It's from Mike Rock. Right. Um, he's from Cornwall. I always Hardwall. very much enjoy the podcast. I have, I have what I think is a very good challenge for the middle section. <laughs> <laughs> You are me lover. Now that you have reviewed Star Trek Into Darkness, I think it has been cast for like very well the original series. <laughs> what? Oh God, I have a real difficulty listening to you normal. doing this. Uh, what are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> to go back to an old style challenge, I would like. <laughs> I can't understand your accent at all. What are you saying? To go back to an old style challenge, <laughs> I would like to know who you would cast if you had to make a re- movie reboot of The Next Generation. Perhaps Captain Picard, a Commander Riker, or a Data. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. And he would also like to hear what we think of the original Italian job. I like it, it's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's great. A good film. Uh, everyone knows that. Yeah, everyone thinks it's good. Um, so, challenge. The challenge. Oh, the challenge. God, I've given this no thought. I'm going to be picking them out of the air, but I'm relishing it. I'm going to judge then. Yeah. Yeah. Who would you like to choose first? To I cast first. I think we should probably build up to Picard, shouldn't we? Yeah, we probably should. Uh, Danielle, can you go first to give me some time to think of some people? Yeah. <laughs> who are you going to? Who are the options? Data. Data, Data. Riker, and uh, Picard. Who is Riker? The guy with the beard. The beard. He's really the first like officer. Who? He's kind of uh, cheesy and uh, good with the ladies, and he's um, likes to play poker. And he plays the trombone. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? He does. Okay. So my Riker, you want someone who is big? Yeah. You can imagine being second in command. Now, my actor doesn't have a beard at the moment, but I'm sure he'd grow one for the part. Sure. Tom Hardy. Oh, damn Everyone you. Everyone goes for Tom Hardy. I'm like a real casting director. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can we just get Darren Boyd in? Okay. Um, I'm having Darren Boyd as data. I'm, doing, I'm filming someone tomorrow. Oh. Wow. Um, okay, Commander Riker, suave, a bit cheesy, uh, winks a lot of people... I'm going to go for... And he's the younger one. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> the Fonz. The Fonz. Yeah. You'll win with that. Yeah. No, I'm going to go for... I'm going to play the game properly. I, I think an appropriate film casting would be Ryan Reynolds. No, boring. No, I'm going to go for it. I think that, that is... Tom Hardy can't really... I think Ryan Reynolds is right. He pulled Thank off you. that cheesy charm. Plus, Tom Hardy has already had a crack at a Star Trek TNG movie by playing a, a clone of Picard in Star oh, Trek does, Nemesis. doesn't he? Oh, you know, I should have gone for... I know who I should have gone for, Riker. 
Eddie Murphy. No, can I change my can I change my choice? <laughs> no. No, because we didn't have time to think about it. Yeah, but you know you've lost now. No, what well, I don't have to win. Okay, can just I just tell, tell you my yeah. Channing Tatum? No. Yeah. If you're really good oh, as well, I can. It would be good. It would, Everyone it? just picks Tom Hardy or Channing Tatum now. Alright then. Data. Okay. Yeah. He, Data was the android. The android. Silver one. Yeah, he's the silver android who has no emotions and is sort of it's very important to cast someone who displays no emotion on screen and is whatsoever. unthreatening. And That's is unthreatening. the thing. He's not a kind of creepy android. I am going to change the gender of data, which mm. is allowed in the reboot. Someone who displays no emotion on screen whenever they're there, Juliet Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> really weird. Julie. That's what her name would be. <laughs> Okay. That'd be a good name, wouldn't it, for a, for a, an android, Julu? Julu. Or a toilet in a synagogue. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, almost like okay. a... It's a, it's a bit like a um, cleaner. It's a kitchen product. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to go for somebody who I think is uh, sort of uh, sweet and slight, um, but could play that utterly no emotions while still being likeable... David Hyde Pierce. Who is he? Oh, he's Niles great. from Frasier. Oh yes, that's perfect. Oh, that's a great choice. Thanks. Really good choice. Thanks. It's basically go for someone autistic, isn't it? Uh, someone who can play it. Yeah. Mm. Oh, bet from Community. Okay. <laughs> last one. The Picard. last one is Jean Luc Picard. Jean Luc Picard. Well. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Got to be someone correct with lots of authority. Yes, has a great voice. Has to be a bit thespy. I think. I think you need to go thespy. Really does have to be a bit thespy. Can I interrupt it. This is a bit like um, where you answer these questions. The way they ask <laughs> people to answer questions on TV show, quiz shows. Mm. Where the quiz show is actually only three questions long. <laughs> so they tell the contestants <laughs> yeah. to explain why they're giving the answer. For about five minutes. <laughs> Makes it more human, Mary. We need build up It's why this really. is a winning format. Okay. So, Jonathan Picard, explain really slowly, please. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've, I've had no time to think about this. Have you got anyone in your head? Um, say no, have you? Say, yeah. say Jonathan Picard really slowly again <laughs> to buy yourself some time. Sean <laughs> Luke. <laughs> Picard. Mm. He's mm. the uh, he's the captain of the Enterprise, so it needs someone who can use a steering wheel. Um, oh, go on, you go with yours. You need someone who can do the authority, play the crotchety old sea captain, whilst also having warmth, but mostly great authority. I would like to see a shaven-headed Timothy Dalton. That's pretty good. It's pretty good, isn't it? Oh, I would like to see who, and and I'm basing this on their brilliant performance as a shaven-headed person. Sylvain <laughs> <laughs> Kingsley. So Ben Kingsley's good. He'd be good at it. He would. He's. I think the ingenuity behind just shaving Dalton's head. <laughs> give it to him. It's a clean awesome. sweep. Thank oh. you. Oh, and I really like Star Trek. I should have been really good at this. I, re- I feel like I've let myself down quite badly. Oh. You've been um, 
Decooked. Why don't we do the rest of the crew next week and you can try and redeem yourself? No, because I've had enough of Star Trek. Oh. I hate Star Trek and I hate people who, who like Star Trek. Well, I was going to have Jessica Chastain as Dr. Beverly Crusher. It's a very good choice. It's a good choice. Don't care. Let's move on. Jason Gordon Levitt as Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting a bit older now. He's not the boy from Third Rock anymore. But it's only three weeks. Well, it's only two days until David's birthday. Yeah, David's birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Thank you, David. thank you. But less importantly, it's only about three weeks until... Film Fandango Live. Flim Flam Live. Taking place at... The Forge and Foundry in Camden, London, England. They did good cheese and even really better good wine. Cheese. We are showing the film... Robocop. And also in the first half we're showing our own films, which I've almost finished mine now. <gasps> I've nearly started And now. I think two people in this room haven't even lifted a finger. The camera's not there! Ah. Ah. Basically, when I've come around to this podcast, the last three months the camera... <laughs> David's going to be on and be in the same place. <laughs> Gathering dust. Yeah. You started making your films yet? Yeah. I've Liar. storyboarded it. Yeah, I've, I've started storyboarding it. What? And when, when are you going to shoot it? Before June the 17th. Well, two people are in real trouble. <laughs> um, but I'm just doing the music to mine on my keyboard. Uh, just to let you know, nobody in mine has got a different haircut from scene to scene. Different, oh yeah, because my problem uh, when I was filming my thing, my main character, my friend David Manil, got his hair cut two days later. So I had to wait for a whole month. Before, <laughs> wow. So, yeah, that's what happens in movies. So if you cast someone and they get their hair cut, you're not going to have time for that hair to grow back. Do you realise that? That's why. <laughs> do you realise that? Uh, we have to cast people with no hair. No, you just do that continuity thing of whilst they're running away from someone, they inexplicably put on a coat and also a wig. Yeah, it's difficult. Anyway, you can see these amazing films and you can buy tickets by going to Google, typing in 14 <laughs> for getting on the page and buying a ticket. We sold quite. A, we sold about, about two-thirds of the tickets left in only three weeks. So buy your tickets now because they will sell out. And um, uh, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't do any live comedy anymore so this is like one of the only opportunities where you can come and have your photo taken with you. <laughs> <laughs> now the temptation um, yeah. I only go outside the house once a month this is going to be one of the occasions <laughs> yeah I might be there um, we're all so super psyched we'll see you on June the 17th very exciting now if you'd like to get in touch about anything, if you'd like us to um, sort of brush over your your emails to us or read them out in a rude way, then why not email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com or write a comment on our Facebook wall, facebook.com forward slash filmfandango or simply tweet us at filmfandango. Now, because 24-hour party people did not arrive, love film, we watched um, another film, as I said, recommended by Luke Sadler, which was Mezrine. Um, Merine. 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 Some French people pronounced it with the S. Um, Gerard Depardieu did not. Um, but uh, Merine. What's it about? It's um, well. It's the based on a true story of um, France's public enemy number one for a while of a, just a very violent man, really a criminal, a bank robber, and um, a prison escapee. 
and a semi-revolutionary figure. And a cop killer. It's in two movies, and we, um, Danielle and I have only seen the first one, so we won't talk about where it goes. But uh, the first film of the uh, two, what do you call it? Not trilogy. What's a the, doublet. A double, double G. A dilogy. The first film of the dilogy is called Nazarene Killer Instincts. Um, you've seen these before, haven't you, Marek? And yeah. you've seen both of them twice. I watched them at the Skinema before, and I watched um, Marine, Marine. Pot <laughs> uh, last night. Uh, Le Nuit Dernier. Oui. <laughs> And I enjoyed it so much. I watched the second part this morning. Ah. Probably killing me two part two. Ah. It's essentially, it's the same film. It's what they start to do with the Hobbit now, but you can justify this being split into two. But there's actually enough for it. What also this film is un- is left unresolved at the end. I think because the what happens at the beginning doesn't come back into it. Well, they were made at the same time. It's like Kill Bill, yeah, yeah. volume one and two. It's, yeah. It is just one very long film split yeah. in two. From what I understand, yeah, that's why I watched the second one because I thought it doesn't really. You need to watch the second one. Yeah, well, I, I felt it was a bit disjointed just seeing the first. They one. were released like two weeks apart, weren't they? Yeah, they yeah. Mm. Part one and then the, the other one. Um, yeah, I I'd heard amazing things about um, this film. Yeah, and had been it been on my list of things to watch for a long time. Uh, it's Vincent Cassell. Most, isn't it? you know, most of my list of much. I have to see films are subtitled. They're all foreign films. Mm. Um, And I was a little disappointed. Why? Because it's... The the thing that I quite admired of the film, I ended up disliking by the end, which is you have these little set pieces where they tell a little bit of the story and then the next scene has jumped forward a couple of years or a few months and, and it's never explained to the audience, which is great because, you know, we're not idiots. We can all follow what's going on. Um... And I, I really like that first one. I thought, what a brave thing to do. You Normally in a film you'd have a voiceover or a caption card or something yeah. saying, a bit in the future. And it's not needed because everybody understands what's going on. Yeah, he kind of has a conversation with some guys about maybe doing a bank job and then it jumps to him immediately in prison a year later yeah. or something. Yeah, it works out what's happened. What I didn't like was you get no real sense of... It's his story, so it's a character study of him, yeah? But you don't really get a sense of who he is, why he's doing it. And even the growth of his character from someone quite sweet to someone who is a real thug is not done anywhere near as well as, like, The Godfather or something, which really kind of gives you a sense of why Michael becomes this person. And with um, Mezzarine, you don't get a sense of why he has become that because it cuts so much of the story out in order to pack the entire story in because I get the impression it's very honest to the book which I always think is a real problem with films because rather than telling a great film what they've done is they've taken a book and really tried to get as much in as they can mm. and so you lose any sense of why we care about these characters you don't, you don't really care about anybody in it I think it's I, that's because apparently when Vincent Cassell got the script uh, he said it was too sympathetic to uh, Mayreen and he said he wasn't like, he was like a clown and I really liked his depiction of him I yeah. think he, I think he's brilliant he depicts his psychopath yeah and to be able to There's utter certainty in his eyes isn't there at all times it's like he never questions himself to be able to flick that switch and he does this in performance between smart being charming and charismatic and being a psychopath with literally uh, uh, was it hairpin I don't know what those yeah. phrases he can just literally but he he can just 
turn in a second. And I thought his performance was masterful. And I think all the, apparently when this came out, the French were expecting it to be an Oscar-winning film when they really had high hopes for it being a bit better regarded than it was. There was another French film, came out, a really similar one, set in a prison. A Prophet. A, a Prophet, prophet similar time. Amazing as well. I think with, And it's uh, better, I think. I really it, like A Prophet. I think if you're going to do the thing of this is one person's life, if you're going to do that, that character journey from origins through to their end or wherever you take it, you have to really invest in the character, and I don't think this does. But I also we have to maybe we should bear in mind is I hadn't heard of him until the film came out. No, but in France, obviously, he's this huge figure that everyone knows. They've yes. got all the backstory. They know what happens to him. They know the, the plot. So it's a bit different. They, they're yeah. going out from different angles, I suppose. Like their version of the Harry Potter films. Yes, where exactly. Where they're based, everyone knows what happens. They just want to see it. Yeah. They go, what does his third child look like? This really grew on me the second time I watched it. Because when it first, was first released, I watched A Prophet in the cinema. And then this, I think, as two films, almost within a week or two weeks of them, when they came out. It was very yes, it was very sort of close time. to each other. So uh, they did, because A Prophet's a more downbeat, sort of uh, less flamboyant film. This reminded me of Goodfellas. Like, it's like a French... Oh, Goodfellas. very much so, yeah. Yes, and I didn't really like Goodfellas either for the same sense of detachment, I think. But that's what I liked about this film. First of all, I think that he's supposed to be... The, the main character is this ego who's sort of pretty much courting the media and flamboyant, hasn't really thought about anything through. He hasn't got the depths of... Uh, of some people that's why he's able to act like this he's just this odd needy crazy vain sex sex obsessed crime obsessed thrill obsessed figure but he probably anyway, does like, have like depth but those aren't because because this isn't a character that's been written by a writer because this is a media version of a character I think what you end up with is all the media gloss in the film and none of the heart and I think that's maybe where like it, this is so these are all the things that he did and this was and and it's sort of told from the point of view almost of an an outsider so it it never feels like his story mm-hmm. because there's never enough that's close you don't ever get any moment of him showing regret or even showing absolute psychotic behaviour it's all sort of the one person removed view of him I think he does a couple of occasions maybe I think in the second film the thing with his wife in the first one is yeah. pretty extreme but I yeah I I, I really enjoyed it you know I, I'm with, oh, I, I think, think it's a bad film brilliant. I think it's really well made and the performance is it's great it looks beautiful um, Gerard Depardieu is very occasionally very funny as well while, while seemingly doing very little um, he's brilliant he is yeah. great um, but yes I, I just had this kind of central issue at the back of my head just going I don't know why I'm supposed to care about this character I don't know what I'm supposed to I don't know why I'm watching him you know um, he just seems like a violent <laughs> I think that he was more, I think he's a complicated thoughtless character, man character I think he's become the the villain of today or someone who's trying to attract the media and he that's a whole point like writing books in prison to try and oh that doesn't happen in this oh yeah so he's he becomes over the course of the two films right he sort of grows into this character who's obsessed with himself and obsessed with his okay name. well maybe yeah maybe you just need to maybe watch the, the second problem is half. you've only seen half a film yeah I think the first half's better than the second half. Really? Yeah. Okay. 
I will. I will finish it now. I think I will watch. The oh, absolutely! One. And like I said, I don't think it's a bad film at all. But I think I was expecting it to be on the same sort of wow level as a profit or sell two one one, which is a, a Spanish film. film. Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, that, that. I mean that's absolutely amazing. And I think I, I was expecting it to. Be, I mean, obviously, I knew it wasn't set in a prison like both of those films are. Um, but that said, I did start enjoying this film far more when he was in prison, and suddenly you had a bit of a more of a, a tangible story to get behind of he's trying to get out of prison like that you was felt the... safe as well Ben yeah I did yeah yeah but he was in prison yeah, and he yeah. wasn't going to come and get the... you come, yeah. come out the screen and get me yeah no thanks yeah I don't feel safe around the French well you, you're right to feel that and hello to all <laughs> our French listeners Hello. Marit I bet there are none. You. I bet there are none, no French listeners. Hey, French listeners, if you want us to do a French film, Fandango in France, um, invite us all around your house. Find us in cinema. Yeah, well, tell us what boulevard you live on. <laughs> or yeah. rue. Or what boulangerie you live near. Yeah, or if it's en face de la boucheuse. Yeah. Or um, près de le syndicat d'initiative. <laughs> <laughs> it dans la bibliothèque. Oh, oui, la bibliothèque aussi, oui. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll come and uh, do a film in your country. Yeah. <laughs> Sounded like they were bigoted. <laughs> in your country. No matter how bad it smells. Oh. No, I like the French. I do too. I love France. All right, French. Well done. <laughs> So how many Davids and Daniels do you give this? You know what, I don't think I should rate it until I've seen the second half of it, because it is one film. It is clearly one film. I cur- Currently, I don't know, I'd probably give it six. Yeah, I, um, me too, and also I think it's I think it's quite poor filmmaking to put out half of... Like, even with the Kill Bill films, you can watch either of those and you get a whole story... And this feels very much even with like Back to the Future one and two, which were filmed yeah, yeah. at the same time. This when the end just, comes of this first film, you feel they've entirely not earned their. This is what happened to this character. Yeah. Um, titles at the end of it, um, you feel like you've not got to the end of it. So should it, it's just one film, one mm. very long film. I'll try and watch the second half before next week, and yeah. then. But for now, I give it a six. I am giving part one a high eight oh. and part two a low eight. Okay. Tres bon. Huit. Tres, il huit point. Re- tres bon. Retro projector. Oui. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll be back next week with more films. Well, we're um, are we picking watch... one? We're, we're definitely watching 24 hour party t- people. Party perfect, peoples. perfect. All right. And also, we'll watch the other half of Misery and we can have a little. Uh, little we can uh, catch up on that. Um, yes, but as I said earlier, if you'd like to get in touch, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com. But we will be back next week. Bye. Au revoir. Bonjour. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.